Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Mean Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge. Because as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls with me, Dr. Plenty. Today, we're going to discuss pregnancy loss and ways to cope with it, but we're going to do this a tad bit differently today. I think it's important that we not only discuss how we as women cope, but find ways to help our boyfriends, husbands, fathers, um, and other male figures uh, cope with uh, loss as well. So just some brief facts about uh, pregnancy loss. According to the March of Dimes, 10 to 15% of pregnancies end in miscarriage in the first trimester. The loss rate is even higher in women with other comorbidities like uh, diabetes or high blood pressure or those that have uh, advancing maternal age or age over 35 years old. According to the American College of OBGYNs, Half of these losses are attributed to chromosomal abnormalities, meaning a genetic problem with the baby. However, oftentimes, no cause is ever discovered. The Vital Statistics report shows the loss rate for black and brown infants is more than twice as high as Caucasians and almost three times as high as non-Hispanic Asian babies. Unfortunately, I have personally suffered a pregnancy loss myself. And for uh, listeners that follow the YouTube channel or who have followed me on social media, um, you know that uh, during Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month, I did a couple interviews about my loss. And um, I was I lost a pregnancy before I had my son Harrison. And that was a year before. And I was in the first trimester. And it, it took me a while to realized one that I had lost the pregnancy and I had had a miscarriage. Um, but two, it took me a while to be able to move forward and want to conceive another child. So, um, I get it. It's, it's a hard thing to bear, um, with pregnancy and infant loss awareness month and re talking through everything. It was difficult for me in that it was like reliving everything all over again, but something that was pointed out and through meeting our guests that will be on the show today, um, it, it was uh, it allowed me to see that we always talk about perspectives from a woman's loss. Like, yeah, we are the people that are carrying the baby. But it is important to remember that my husband lost a child, too. And our men have lost children and they suffer in silence and <clears throat> don't talk about it. They um they eternalize, internalize it and try to be a su- support system for us. So to gain a little bit more insight on the male perspective and how we can help our men heal as well, I have a special guest today, Mr. James Harris. 
James Harris is a multi-entrepreneur and a future licensed professional counselor in Richmond, Virginia. He has a BA in psychology and received a Master of Arts in clinical mental health counseling from Southern University, a degree he obtained after his eight years of active military duty. From the therapeutic standpoint, he works in community-based services in the inner cities. Mr. Harris founded Men to Heal, a movement that started to assist men in focusing on their overall wellness, mental and physical health. James also conducts speaking engagements for various companies and has done engagements in several states and five countries via Skype. He also owns The Healing Hub, which offers outpatient therapy, massages, yoga, mindfulness, financial literacy seminars and free food for the less fortunate every third Saturday of the month. Lastly, James just authored his first book entitled Man, Just Express Yourself, which is an interactive guide for men, young and old. While juggling all of this, he remains active on several boards and in community organizations. James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, appreciate you for having me. Definitely a heck of an introduction and a touching story on your personal journey, as well as the statistics that you uh, pointed out earlier. I definitely appreciate you um, for allowing me to come on and shed insight um, to your platform, because like you said, the the fathers or the men experience a loss as well, and it's oftentimes overlooked. Uh, I personally had uh, three previous miscarriages um, wow. many, many years ago. And, uh, it was an experience not only for myself, but of course for my partner, because she experienced the physical and the mental, uh, emotional loss, but I also experienced loss as well. So it wasn't a lot of resources out there for me or for other men. So, you know, fast forward, here we are now, my, my platform and outlet provide, provide those resources for men. So I'm just fortunate to be in a position that I can do that. But not only from a law standpoint, a grief standpoint, you know, I'm a therapist, uh, I'm a black male therapist, and there's not a lot of us out here. So for me to be in this advocacy work and, you know, in the forefront of this fight, uh, you know, I just feel honored and humbled. So I appreciate you for having me. Of course. Um, Thanks so much for being on. And, you know, it's funny because before we get started, um, my step, my husband's name is James. There's a lot of Jameses in my family, which I think is interesting. So uh, I like men named James, basically. So my husband's name is James. My my son's name is Harrison James. My uh, stepdad, his name is James Harris. And um, I also have a cousin named James and my brother who passed away a couple of years ago, his name was James as well. So there's a lot of great things coming from the name James. So yeah, yeah. Uh, good company there. We, we right on time. <laughs> right, right. So um, so tell our listeners a little bit more about um, your movement, uh, Meal to Heal. And did you start it because uh, you suffered losses? And was it after the first loss or um, or not? Yeah. So believe it or not, Mental Hill was uh, arrived from just me being in the community and seeing the lack of attention to men and mental health or men and just overall wellness. Um, I don't know if you know the statistics involving men and suicide. They completed at a higher rate than women. Uh, they tend not to get physicals. They tend to hide their emotions. And of course, there's the stigma surrounding uh, society equating vulnerability 
vulnerability, weakness, you know, so it just led me to do this platform. So I paused entrepreneurship, went back to grad school and, uh, you know, that was a journey. And it, while in grad school, we had this assignment of, you know, if it was one population that you can help, who would it be? Blah, blah, blah. Um, so a couple of people from my cohort, they chose, you know, LGBTQ rights. They chose women's rights. They chose uh, veterans. Um, and initially, as a veteran, I, too, chose veterans. But then I realized, like, oh, man, what about the men? I'm about to be a black male therapist. Men are reluctant to see, seek services, you know, for, for many reasons. Um, let me just do minds on men. So in doing that project and, and research, I found that people in my immediate circle or extended circle you know, they weren't getting physicals on time. So we know how much early detection can prevent, uh, you know, significant diseases or even even death in so many cases. You know, so I was like, Dang, this is just on a micro level. So let me think about it on a macro level. Uh, so and then, you know, pretty much the movement was uh, birthed right there. So I, I finished grad school started on my licensing journey, started in private practice at this place called Avail, And it's a woman dominant practice. I was the only male clinician there, um, you know, for almost over a year. And they do phenomenal work in the community for women. But I was like, hey, what can we do for the men? You know, so the owner, Tanji, was like, uh, well, we'll put something together. You know, so at that point, I, my wheels just got to turn and, and I reverted back to the assignment that I had in grad school. So what I did was put out a filler um for a segment that I was going to host at my art gallery, uh, I called it Men and Mental Health, you know, so I wanted people to submit questions and come out. And before I knew it, it was like 20 plus people there, you know, men and women with that questions. Uh, it was myself and then I had a panelist. So then each quarter I just started doing them, um, you know, different topics, men and mental health, men and relationships, men, athletes and mental health, um, you know, incarceration and mental health. So my panelists consisted of different people within those respective fields, as well as mental health providers. And it just continued to grow, you know, to about 65 different people uh, at any given segment and seminar. Um, so then I got stuck at a train one day and I just drew the logo on my car, I got a Tesla. And that became the logo that I started branding, started wearing it. Um, and it's an instant conversation starter. So from there, you know, people walk up like, oh, man, my uncle dealing with XYZ or my dad. And, you know, it's just so many advocacy uh, came from the movement and from the attention uh, surrounding it. And before I knew it, I had over a thousand shirts sold, you know, so I just continue to grow. And then as a therapist, I get so many questions. I'm sure you get like questions in your inbox or emails just from people reaching out for insight. Um, so that led me to write the book because I was answering so many different questions questions over and over or, you know, uh, different things that I do in practice with my clients, whether that's individual or, or couples counseling. So I was like, you know what, let me just write a book. So that's, that's how the book was birthed, um, as well as the movement. Awesome. Yeah. I, um, I ordered your book and I've read it, some of it because <clears throat> it's more of a workbook. Correct. So, um, I gave it to my husband because I was like, you can really use this. Yeah. And so he has started doing the workbook and I find that now at night he's like asking me questions because of this workbook. Um, in that even after I started sharing my story, James, I mean, my husband, James was like, I don't think I ever dealt with that. 
Like, I don't think I ever dealt with the fact that we actually lost a child. Like, I just sort of want yeah. to make sure you were okay. And we just sort of moved forward. And then once we had our child, I was still okay until you started telling this story again. And I realized I never did really deal with it. And so now your workbook has really helped him, like, literally write his feelings down um, and basically pressured him if if not anything to talk through it and it's also allowed him to seek some counseling outside of you know obviously just us talking um so now he's actually getting regular counseling and talking about his issues more which i think honestly everybody should have a counselor like whether you've gone through a loss or not like there's a lot going on like just with the pandemic and people losing their jobs and people struggling to either have babies or have lost babies like there's a lot of mental stuff that we as people go through every day, especially if you're a black person, you really are yeah. going through um, a lot of strain every day. So I think everybody needs a counselor, but um, I think that your, your book is doing good work and I appreciate it. with our men because they don't talk about it. They don't so, talk about it. And, and to touch on that, I'm, I'm happy that you purchased the book and gave it to your husband because so many wives have been messaging to me or emailing me or leaving reviews saying that exact same thing. So it's a tool to enhance that relationship. So just imagine that wife or that girlfriend or fiance right now that's dating somebody, a man that's not typically, uh, uh, you know, uh, alert enough to open up and discuss his feelings or traumas or talk about grief and stuff like that, emotions, feelings. This is a good tool for her to provide him this book. He do a couple of pages and, you know, they exchange dialogue because in any other setting, her asking might, you know, she might meet resistance or they probably have some type of conflict. So I've just been fortunate enough to create this piece of literature to where it's mending families, it's helping relationships grow. And it's also a tool for the younger men. So a parent can give this to their 10 year old son and he can do a couple of pages and do the same thing, you know, and he can grow with this. He can see how far he you know, change or he's able to identify his triggers and stuff like that. Um, and also to touch on, you know, a lot of men, like you said, they're busy trying to assist their partner, the wife or the girlfriend in that loss that they ignore or, or, you know, deflect their own feelings and emotions surrounding the loss that they also experience. Um, and I also interviewed a, 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 another young man on my uh, YouTube page that experienced loss. And we had similar stories. You know, everybody's coming to the house, but they're immediately asking about the woman. Like, oh, man, is she okay? Does she need anything? You know, like unconsciously like oh man you were affected as well you know you ring the doorbell you get the you get the door you let them in you get a hug you get a hat and they go immediately to the woman you know to nurture her respectively you know again she experienced the physical as well as the emotional uh loss but we as the partner the man also experienced that that loss as well um and, you know, I don't think it's from a selfish standpoint that we want attention and to be nurtured, but we also need that validation, that recognition that we, too, have experienced grief. We, too, have to process that grief. Um, and for a long time, of course, in many different settings, men aren't often able to articulate that feeling surrounding, you know, not only grief, but a lot of different other aspects. And that's the purpose of my movement. Um, and that's been a catalyst for my movement for the, the older 
uh, population, the younger population, just just men, you know, of different cultures and different contexts and dialects. You know, it's all pretty much experience the same thing, whether, you know, how do I express this or how do I articulate this in a way to where it's not just irritability or anger or being promiscuous or reckless behavior. You know, I want to do this in a healthy way. I want to not be demonized or uh, chastised for expressing my feelings in a healthy way or not be cast as a somebody who's soft or weak, you know. So that's pretty much it. And um, I've just been fortunate enough that I've been able to do that. Yeah. Um for the men listening, and I, I say that because, you know, now my husband is on a mission because he's like, more men need to listen to this podcast because we need to know what our women are going through. We need to get a little bit more insight to try to identify with them. So um, for men that are listening, like we want to acknowledge men and their pain. Like when we lose a pregnancy, we, we, as women, we know that you're, you've lost a pregnancy and we want you to agree with us. Um, but a lot of the times I think, I don't know if it's just the pressure from society or the stigma of, about men being able to express themselves. It's almost like men don't have permission to actually grieve with their wives, or at least that's what I feel. Um, you know, when my husband was sort of quiet and really didn't want to talk about it. Um, you know, didn't really want to go to counseling. He just kept asking, was I okay? Like you have permission to express yourself and, and grieve. And that actually looks from a woman's perspective when their man is expressive and grieving it, that looks like a sign of support as well. Exactly. And it seems like you created the space for that. Um, also on my YouTube, it's a video on why men don't open up. I have a video on trauma. I have a video on grief. I have a video on support as well as, you know, communication and so forth. Um, and and you, you hit on a couple of those points because a lot of the times it's not a safe space for a man to be able to do that. He's not getting validation for his feelings. He's getting demonized and he's not wanting to open up again because it's going to come up later in another situation. So there's so many different reasons why men don't open up, but I'm fortunate enough to be in this position to assist them open up, uh, not only for uh, their sales, but of course, vicariously for their partners, their teammates, their coworkers and stuff like that, because it's important uh, that we create those safe and nurturing spaces for men to be able to do that. So, um, so James, what, what have you learned? Like, on this journey, like um, through the Men to Heal movement, through writing the book, um, what have you learned personally during this movement that you didn't know about yourself? Um, I mean, I was always an open person. I was always willing to be that guy who, you know, go above the norms and stuff like that. Like for a long time, you know, um, I was in middle school, you know, wearing pink because of it was a personal message for me. So I was always able to ignore the perception of others and not be cast into this uh, society bubble as far as what men aren't supposed to do or what masculinity is. So for me, it, it has been, more affirming to see that I'm assisting, guiding other men to also live that that journey of, you know, just owning their own perception, owning their own identity and being comfortable with being uh, viewed a certain way, you know, so it, it's one of those journeys. And I'm also learning, um, you know, of course, more empathy and patience um, because I'm a father now as well. I'm a partner, you know, 
my lady uh, is in a position to have a partner who's able to express himself fully. Uh, and, you know, she don't have to guess. She don't have to try to read my mind because I'm always able to articulate how I feel, what are my needs. I'm also able to respond to her needs because we got that open relationship to where the communication just flows in that direction. Well, congratulations on being a dad. That's exciting. And, um, you know, it's, you're right. Like from being in a relationship, it's, it is like pulling teeth sometimes to get your man to, communicate and express himself. So the fact that you already were doing that for a long time is, is pretty, it's pretty amazing because a lot of men don't do that. And that uh, lack of communication can break down a lot of relationships and it can make uh, that other person think that there's something going on when they're like, nothing's going on. Like, I'm just tired, you know? Um, but because, you know, their mate is not communicating with them effectively. And that goes both ways. Women, Some women don't communicate effectively either. We're not the best at expressing ourselves um, the proper way. We, we sometimes lash out when we could just say a complete sentence and communicate as opposed to be becoming angry. Um, but that lack of communication um, can definitely ruin uh, relationships. So um, it's good that you're able to coach men through that so that sure. they can express themselves in a way that that's healthy um, and that can help their relationships grow. And to, to add to that communication piece, um, again, it's a video on my YouTube, but I found that a lot of people don't know how to communicate effectively because they forget that it's a giver of the message and a receiver of the message, but nobody stops to understand that the message itself is comprehensible, you know? So you can tell me all day long what you want me to do, but if I don't understand uh, what it is you want me to do, then we still in a lost place. So if you tell me to move this table over there, um, but you don't give any other instructions or you don't follow up to see if I understand how you want me to move the table, then we got an issue because now I moved the table, but you wanted it vertically. I got it horizontally. So now you're coming back at me with something else. So, you know, we have to understand uh, that somebody is able to like process what you want them to do opposed to, I told you to do something, you didn't do it. Or I heard you say, do this. So I did what you, you know, so we just got to understand that the comprehension is there. We got, we, you know, we got to go beyond the, the surface level of giving orders and receiving orders. Right. And we have to be a little bit patient and yeah. be able to be okay with repeating yourself and re-explaining things a little bit differently because we're not perfect and nobody's in our heads that can understand exactly what we wanted. I want the TV mounted. What you mounted the TV too hot. Didn't you know I wanted it at eye level? Like those are the conversations I have with my husband. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you know, why would you put it up there? He's like, well, you told me to mount it. So I mounted it. So, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, communication perception, um, talk with feedback and understanding is like a real, real thing. So, mm-hmm. um, so James, so in addition to like the communication piece and making sure that couples are communicating effectively, what other advice would you give dads who have suffered from the loss of a pregnancy or the loss of a child um, early? Um, what would you tell them um, to do? Yes. Um, I mean, it's multiple things you can do, but to be honest with you, I just want to touch on the stages of grief because a lot of people uh, tend to overlook the stages of grief or think that they have to rush through those stages. But 
in, in, in many instances, it's five stages of grief. You got the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the depression and acceptance. And just to reiterate, you don't have to go through all those phases in order. Like, and it's no set time limit on, uh, how to be in each phase, you know, and you can bounce around from each phase and you might think that you're over uh, a certain phase and then you get touched again by something else. Um, and grief is not only limited to, uh, you know, what you've experienced. It can, it can be a lot of different things. Like right now within our society, it's, it's difficult for men, specifically African-American men to grieve because as soon as we start the process with one thing, it's something else in the news. Mm whether that's COVID or whether that's uh, the unjustly killings of African-American men, whether that's, you know, uh, the, the pregnancy and infant loss or whether that's losing a job. There's so many different things that are resulting in unresolved trauma in addition to grief that men are able to process fully. So they go through the emotions, they go through uh, different things or not being able to understand. And then some of them become numb and desensitized to where it starts to infect their relationships with not only themselves, but of course, their partner, their children and co-workers and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, at a certain point, to be honest with you, a lot of men are emotionally mature enough to handle certain situations because they weren't taught those situations or they didn't have good models in those situations. Um, not all men, but of course, some men, you know, realistically, um, and, and to be honest with you, within our community, were raised by mom or the grandmother, you know, so it's no real examples of uh, a positive male role model outside of coaching and, and, you know, your peers. But how much really do they know? Because in reality, they're probably in the same um, scenario and you in which being raised by in a single household or parent always working or whatever the case is. Um, but also like, as far as grief is related, um, the pain doesn't go away faster if you ignore it. You have to process your feelings. Like some I always say to my to my guys, not only in my circle, but who I counsel with in session or um, in the community, feel your feelings. Like that's something that I always say on my post and everything. But a lot of people figure if you ignore the pain, it'll go away faster. That's not necessarily true. You have to process it. Um, and also you definitely, you know, if you want to cry, you definitely can cry. So ignore the perception of others and don't feel like you're in a position to, you know, you're weak or you're less than a man. If you do express those feelings, um, and there's no time limit, uh, time limit again on grief. So if it takes you a year, if it takes you two years or 10 years, like that's your journey. Each person have a different resiliency level. So don't feel bad if you're still grieving while others have moved on or vice versa. You've moved on and others are still grieving. Like it's no right or wrong way to grieve. Um, and just because you do move on, that does not mean that you forgot about the person or the loss that you experienced. So I think those things were important for me to highlight in the grief segment um, because a lot of people still don't know, like, or haven't processed fully, like, oh man, I lost a child. My partner lost a child. Or I'm, I'm speaking on child because that's what your platform is, but, you know, in general, a, a certain loss at a certain point uh, that experience for somebody to grieve. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've said a lot 
and a lot of good stuff. Um, I think the stages of grief are very important. And I think it's important that we recognize that we all go through stages of grief. And that's with the loss of anything. You're going to grieve the loss of anything, whether Mm -hmm. that's a child or whether that's a family member, whether that's a job, whether that's a marriage, you're going to grieve the loss. And you're going to feel differently depending on where you are in that grief cycle. So um, so thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Um, I also want to make sure people understand in all that you said, one, yes, um, feel your feelings. Yes, but it's okay to go and talk to someone. (laughs) And it's encouraged that if you feel like you can't grieve on your own, that you go and talk to someone. Because what you don't want to do is become so overwhelmed or entwined with the loss that you're not functioning. And then there are other aspects of your life that start to suffer when you can get help and get a counselor like James or um, some other counselor locally. Or now there's a whole bunch of virtual platforms that you can get counseling on um, to go through to to get support. um, If you feel like the support of your family member is not enough or that you can't talk to your family member. You should talk to somebody. Yeah, definitely. Um, And and you bring up a great point. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, that's pretty much what mental health is, just ensuring that you are in a position to have wellness in every aspect of your life. Once you start getting impaired in different functions of your life, those things can be detrimental to you. Um, So that was a great point that you brought up. So at this portion of the podcast, um, we usually discuss either cases that have been um, or scenarios that have been emailed in by listeners of the podcast or um, or scenarios or cases that have been shared by friends of the podcast. So um, we have three today. So we will get started. Our first case is a 21-year-old female who just found out that she had a pregnancy loss at 18 weeks. Her boyfriend, who is the father of her child, is out of town. She was told that the baby had genetic issues. What advice can you share with her about how to break the news to her boyfriend? And how does she ask about his genetic history without making him upset? (laughs) Man, that was a heck of a question. Um, And to be honest with you, when I told you guys I experienced three miscarriages many years ago, one of the first things my partner and I did, uh, my ex-wife at the time did, was get genetic testing um, because there was no indications on why we kept having miscarriages. Uh, Fortunate enough to say now I have a kid now and she has three kids. It just was, you know, the timing, it just was us basically. But for this scenario, I definitely would encourage her to talk with her boyfriend as, as, you know, soon as possible, because again, it's not just her uh, child, it's his as well. And as far as having those tough conversations with your partner, um, Hopefully you guys are in a place to where that you made that committed decision to not only have a child, but to be together, that you are in a position to talk to him or him vice versa, talk to you about anything, especially some as severe and, and as deep, deeply impacted as this. So if you're not in that position to have a conversation with your partner, you need to reevaluate some things within your relationship, even beyond this pregnancy loss, um, because your, your partnership should supposed to be, uh, one of the first people or places that you want to go and feel comfortable and secure and sharing uh, vital information. So the fact that you're unsure of how to do that 
may pose a deeper issue. That's just the therapist in me talking. Uh, but if, if I was, you know, just a regular person asking the question, I still would feel that he should know and you should, uh, you know, express this to him in a way to where he's in a safe position, a comfortable position, being that he's out of town and he can receive the news fully and support you. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. Um, the fact that he's out of town and she's by herself is um, it can be a little iffy because you don't want to give news to somebody that is in a situation where they're doing something like being at work and working on heavy machinery. Right. Like I remember my uncle called me and told me that my cousin committed suicide while I was in the middle of work. Like it was 1030 in the middle of the day. I had plenty of patients still left to see. And I had a lot of questions and I couldn't answer it. I couldn't ask them. Right. Because I was not the appropriate environment for me to express myself. So Mm -hmm. I had to receive that information, take it back, put it basically in the back of my mind or try to, to continue to be functional for the rest of the day. And then call when I got a break to ask for the questions, something like the loss of a child, Um, the only advice I would say one, yes, I agree with James. You should be comfortable enough to talk to your mate and tell your mate that you've lost a child, but you know, they're going to be upset. So make sure that you know where they are when they're going to receive this information, you know, perhaps say, Hey, are you at work? Um, can you call me when you have time to talk, um, instead of sharing the news when it's in the middle of the workday and then you're crying and breaking down on the phone. Um, so I definitely would want to make sure that he's in a place where he can receive the news and express himself, uh, not at work, uh, not in the middle of, you know, being accompanied with a whole bunch of other people. When it comes to genetic history, my, uh, I have seen patients that have been married for years. And when you bring up genetics, it's almost like you're blaming them. You're blaming them like your side of the family caused this to happen. So I want to know everything about your genetic history. I I don't know why people go that route, but even when I bring genetic history up, Um, because I have to ask it, even if you don't have a loss, people end up becoming offensive. I mean, they they are defensive. Like they, they want to automatically say, Oh no, that I don't have anything in my family. Then you start asking deeper question is, Oh yeah, well I do have this. And so I would say, if you don't feel comfortable asking the genetic history, perhaps that's a conversation that the doctor can have with both of you guys and go over genetic history. You can always ask your OBGYN or whomever the genetic counselor is that gave you the news to inquire further about genetic history and genetic testing. I mean, that's pretty much their job anyway. So they need to inquire about the genetic history from both of you guys anyway. So if you don't want to be the person that is asking stuff that may seem somewhat accusatory or maybe you just don't remember the big words that the genetic counselor says like some people won't remember like my baby had edward syndrome or trisomy 18 like what does that mean like perhaps you're not really processing um, what that genetic issue really was you can always ask the genetic counselor or the OBGYN 
to, you know, say, hey, I've broken the news to my boyfriend. He may have a lot of questions about this genetic issue that our child has. Do you mind us coming in for further counseling? Do you mind breaking down the genetic issue and telling us how likely it is for our future children to have this um, and put that onus back on the genetic counselor if you think it's not something it's, it's something that's going to be difficult to explain. So um, I guess for this case pearl, because I give a case pearl with their, all the cases, James, the case pearl is communicate in a way that is safe and effective and that where both of you guys are in an environment to receive the information fully and process it fully. Sure. And, and to be honest with you, something I tell my clients that I do uh, marriage counseling with is, or individual counseling for that matter is put it back on me. Throw, throw that signal. And my therapist said, in this case, you can say my doctor said, or my doctor suggested that we do genetic testing or we do a thorough history, you know, so you don't have to wear that burden of having your partner react a certain way and feel like it was their fault. You can say, oh, no, this is just recommended by the doctor, Ben, that we, you know, we experience this loss. Let's just do this research on genetics. Let's just get tested for genetics and stuff like that. Put it back on that provider. Uh, so it wouldn't feel so, oh, it's you and not me type thing. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I, there's a lot of back. I mean, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of couples blaming me for <laughs> for, some, for testing that they've had um, in the pregnancy. So, yes, absolutely. Put it back on your provider. That's what they're there for. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I can I'm sure I can articulate what it is that I want your partner to know. Um, and a reason why I think, you know, this is more evident based opposed to you guys having a conflict or meeting resistance. So I'm willing to be that bad guy or that blame person as long as it makes you guys uh, enhance your communication or at least do the research in order to why you've been there in the first place. So I don't mind doing that. And if you're, you're paying another provider, then they probably wouldn't mind doing that either. But either way, I definitely think that you guys should um, – you know, address other issues in regards to communication. If you don't feel comfortable enough to go to this person with any issue, whether minute or grand. Right. Right. All right. The second case, my husband and I have been married for four years. We tried for two years before conceiving because of my endometriosis. A year ago, we finally got pregnant, but lost the pregnancy very early in the third trimester. We were both devastated. We went to counseling for months following our loss. Now I'm ready to try again, but my husband avoids the subject whenever I talk about it. How can I get him to open up about how he feels? The lining of the uterus, so the uterus carries the baby. The lining of the uterus that women shed every month is the endometrial lining. So that's why we have a cycle. That's why we have a period to shed the endometrial lining every month. So endometriosis is when you have that endometrial tissue that's outside of that normal area in the uterus. And sometimes that can be in other layers of the uterus. It can be outside the uterus. It can be on the bowel. It can be on the ovaries. Um, it can be anywhere else in the abdomen, basically. And during your um, cycle, when that tissue is supposed to slough, it can cause people to have a lot of pain because now you have these ectopic tissue on the bowel, on your intestines. 
And so you may have blood in your stool. You may have severe pain um, and cramping. Um, you may have a severe pelvic pain because those areas are still trying to slough, even though they're not inside of the uterus. Um, sometimes because it's outside of the uterus, that can cause scarring to the tubes. And so some women, um, if they have the ectopic tissue on the ovaries or it's scarring in the pelvis or in the tubes, can have a really difficult time getting pregnant. So that's why endometriosis can cause you to have a real hard time getting pregnant. Um, but once you get pregnant, it usually doesn't lead to a miscarriage. So this patient lost a pregnancy early in the third trimester. Doesn't really say why, but it doesn't really matter the why. Like it's a very devastating thing. And hopefully this patient was able to find out why, but half of the pregnancies that have losses, we never know why. So I think it's... Um, helpful that they got counseling, but it doesn't sound like, sounds like she's ready and he may not be ready. Um, and I think this takes us back, James, to what you were talking about earlier in the stages of grief. And it could be that he is not in the stage of acceptance yet and he could still be grieving. And I don't think there should be a time limit on grieving. Um, I'm not really sure what, uh, you know, where he is in this, but I, I think this is somebody that would definitely need to get counseling to try to communicate with their husband, because it seems like she's already tried to communicate a couple of times and that's not working. So I would definitely recommend seeking some, you know, counselor from a licensed professional counselor or um, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, even a support group would be good um, for him to maybe open up or your book or your workbook. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, they definitely can benefit from my book to answer those tough questions. Good tool, not only because it addresses uh, traumas, mood, affection, grief, anger, um, emotions, healings, feelings, and stuff like that for him, but I want to say her message at the end said that he avoids certain conversations. Um, so a tool that I often do with my couples in marriage counseling is uh, a fishbowl technique or shoebox technique or whatever the case is, but pretty much uh, wife, you pick five five or 10 questions, husband, you pick five or 10 questions. You guys put them in this box, mix them up. And y'all pull those questions, answer them honestly with no resistance, no feedback, no issues. Um, and it can be, you know, do you want to try pregnancy again? Or, you know, it can be finances. It can be marriage related questions. It can be questions surrounding everything. But I think for your case of this question, your questions should be catered to, um, how is he handling the loss? Does he have fear of moving forward with another pregnancy and stuff like that? It probably can benefit you guys to exchange that dialogue with, you know, within that context and within that exercise uh, so he can feel more comfortable. But I definitely would, again, echo her, uh, you know, the doc and, and to seeking services or support group or individual couples therapy as well. Yes, I like all of that. Um, I definitely think and agree with all that as well. Um, I like that technique of the questions, you know, being able to heal um, together and that way we're almost making it as like a game to, to sort of like a Q and a, to make you talk about how um, you feel about this, or if you're ready um, for another child. And that way it's not just a wife that's nagging her husband about, Hey, can we go ahead and have sex so we can have a child again? You know, really um, try to get to the core of it and, and have some conversation that's not um, evolved around 
having sex and having a child. And, and I also think it's really uh, important that this, this friend of the podcast that's emailed this question recognizes that if your mate is sort of avoiding the topic, like that does not mean try to get pregnant. Like you do not want to try to get pregnant before your mate is ready to get pregnant. Like that's going to cause more problems in your relationship. And just because he is okay with having sex doesn't mean that he's okay with having a child. So um, make sure you recognize the difference between those and make sure that you're on the same page before moving forward. Because what you don't want to do is have somebody that's not ready to be a father because they haven't healed from the loss and then all of a sudden, you know, you've tried to get pregnant and you're pregnant. Now, things happen like, you know, obviously things happen and sometimes we have to adjust quickly. But if you can control that situation and make sure you guys get healing, both of you guys are healed and both of you guys are ready um, to have a child first. Um, that would be much more important um, for helping you be prepared to be parents um, in the future. No, that was good. I definitely agree with that. This is also an email question. Dr. Plenty, my wife and I lost a child last month. Our child was three months old at the time and died from complications of prematurity. How can I support my wife while taking care of my own mental health? What are steps we can do to heal together? So with people that lose, a, whether that's a pregnancy or whether that's a child, um, especially a child, I feel like uh, having a child in the NICU in itself, even if your child doesn't pass away, like that's a lot. Um, it's a lot to go to the hospital every single day. It's a lot to try to figure out like, you know, am I feeling guilty for going to work? Um, I want to be there for my child. I want to be there with my significant others who's stuck at the hospital. And now during the pandemic, it's sort of limited in who can be there and who can't. And you still have to work because you got bills to pay. So and all those patients, like I make make them, almost make them, go to counseling and most of the counseling now is done virtually. So I just basically pick a time they're available and say, Hey, we're going to get you set up with virtual counseling. And I make them go through at least three sessions. So I think that one, if you lost a child, you need counseling. Like to me, there's no, you need counseling. Like that's a lot to deal with the loss of a child. So I would definitely encourage them to get counseling, but I also would encourage them in terms of healing together, like getting back to some form of normalcy, like getting back to a day-to-day -day routine. And that may be making sure you're having fun with your mate, making sure that you are taking the time to get to know your wife or husband again, um, making sure you have date night once a week, making sure you're taking the time um, for yourself. And I don't, I don't, I didn't hear anything about them having any other children. Um, but if they do, making sure your children understand um, what happened so that you guys can heal together as a family um, and talk through some things together as a family in addition to um, going to some type of structured counseling. And James, I think this case definitely um, would be a good example of the methods that you talked about for the last case in, in terms of like putting questions in a hat, drawing those questions out, um, making that be the pivot that makes you talk about certain issues um, with the marriage. Yeah, definitely. And I think he, uh, I want to say he asks, how can they heal together? Um, 
So I just want to touch on that too, but I think it's definitely important that one, you already felt that you acknowledged that she was in a position and um, you're willing to help her. So that's commendable on your part, but you also have to honor your own pain. Um, you experienced a loss as well. So don't get so caught up in trying to help her that you neglect yourself. And then it creates other issues uh, that can potentially uh you know, arise from it. So you definitely want to ensure that you're giving yourself permission to grieve as well, um, in addition to your partner. But you guys can be willing to help each other by taking time out to do deep breathing exercises, taking time out to reconnect with each other, um, how you guys were excited and happy um, before the loss take took place. So you guys can get back to that foundation, have date nights, have that uh, relationship foundation being restructured and, and rebuilt again um, and then go from there, you know. So definitely don't forget the basics of your relationship. You guys are together for a reason. But I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they stop at that loss in, in certain aspects and then a relationship become indifferent or not grow, you know, not continue to grow based on that. Because a lot of people get stuck at that grief point because we, we heal at different places. We uh, mature different places emotionally and stuff like that. So uh, definitely ensure that you are in a position to continue to grow with your partner at her own, at her pace. Because again, the resilience might be different. You might be ready to conceive again or vice versa, but you just want to make sure that your partner is in agreement and is healthy enough, not only physically, but emotionally to get to that point as well. I, I like that, James, because you can't really help somebody else until you help yourself, right? So the biggest thing that he could probably do for her is to make sure that he's in an okay place to move forward and that he's mentally healthy. So I definitely agree with uh, making sure you help yourself and then also making sure you get back to that happy place um, and communicating and um, making sure you're laughing together and things like that. So um, I definitely agree with everything that um, you have said. Now, I think that's all the hard questions for today, James. You've done a fantastic job of answering these questions. Um, Tell us how we can follow you on social media, um, how people can book your services and any projects you have going on right now. Yeah, yeah. So I think the easiest way to find me would be through my website, www.mentoheal.com, M-E-N-T-O-H-E-A-L.com. And from there, you can purchase my book. You can uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can uh, go to my um resource page on my website there's tons of resources there for mental health and you know different things for different people part of, in different parts of the country i'm located in richmond virginia but i definitely be a resource to anybody you know listeners all over the world because your platform is that huge or it's going in that direction um but feel free you can also uh get to my social media from my website as, as well. So that's men to heal.com. But my Instagram is M E N underscore T O underscore H E A L. The YouTube page is men to heal. Um, and the name of my book is man, just express yourself. And you can get that on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, Walmart. And of course my website as well. And James, I'm going to accept that. I'm going to receive that. This platform is going to be so big that it's going to reach millions. We're going to receive that. Um, yes, right now it's received. 
So, uh, <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining the conversation today and giving us the male perspective. Um, I think that as women, it is very valuable to always know how we can help our men, especially with something like pregnancy loss, but honestly with different, like dealing with pregnancy in general, I think um, it's good for men to get women's perspectives. And I think that it's, it's awesome for us to um, get the male perspective so that we can have insight and know how to help our relationships and help our men to heal as well. Um, tell us, do you have any upcoming projects, any upcoming events? Um, well, right now, no, because the pandemic paused everything. But I mean, I still do. Yeah, I still do speaking engagements on other people platforms, um, especially on IG Labs and, and stuff like that, different podcasts. So I'm still doing that. Um, so, yeah, definitely go to my social media and then you can see all those flyers and different stuff that I do have coming for it. But individually, um, I just pause everything due to the pandemic. And it's easier for me to, you know, be a resource and an advocate without uh, taking away from um, other things that way. Well, you, you know what, you're right. Because a lot of things that, um, that I've done has have been paused too, because it's better to be safe. Right. Yeah. Um, and there are things and ways that we can reach people virtually now. And the pandemic has allowed us to be more creative in that way and, and reach a lot of people, um, that we wouldn't have ordinarily reached, um, mm -hmm. nationally and internationally. So, um, so I definitely get that. And, um, so James, thanks so much for coming again. Um, I will definitely be following all of your platforms and I'll give you some feedback as my husband finishes, uh, your book as well yeah yeah definitely um post that and and put that testimony out there so we will and we'll wives, <laughs> yeah so other wives can be encouraged to do the same thing but i'm telling you like i've had a, a couple that been married i want to say 42 years the wife literally said yeah this is the most my husband and i ever exchanged dialogue you know because in other times like just asking those questions you'd be met with resistance or anger so doing it this way it's just been helpful for a lot of couples to gain that insight so i'm just fortunate enough to put out a piece of literature that was received that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to our listeners, thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. Go ahead and share the podcast and this episode with your friends and family who are pregnant, planning to get pregnant, or who just need general health tips. If you or someone you know has a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Also, also make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.